you're very welcome back to the Public Eye Podcast, a six-part series of podcasts brought to you by Granite Exchange. I'm your host, Sarah Travers, and throughout the series, I will be speaking with local entrepreneurs and business owners to learn more about how these companies have come to be, gain insight into their growth, and find out how they continue to innovate. So wherever you get your podcasts from, remember to keep an eye out for new episodes over the next six weeks and subscribe to stay up to date. Well, today I am really excited to be joined by Shane Neary, founder of the very tasty Neary Nogs. Shane, you're very welcome to the podcast. Now, Thanks, Sarah. Neary Nogs is, for those who don't know, a family business established in 2011 by Shane and Dot Neary to fund vital and urgent medical care for their youngest daughter. They're Northern Ireland's first bean-to-bar craft chocolate makers and also one of the oldest. Neary Nog's chocolate is small batch crafted on the Mourne coast. Taking great pride in their chocolate making, Neary Nog's ethically source sustainable cocoa beans, supporting the Rainforest Alliance and practising direct trade where possible. Their recent switch to solar energy and their recycled and recyclable packaging reinforces Neary Nog's passion for sustainability. The Neary's work as a team alongside a small community of friends and family working together to make the dream come alive. Shane, it sounds gorgeous. I know it was born really out of necessity, but we'll come to that in a minute. I have to ask, first of all, where the inspiration for the name Neary Nogs came from. The Neary bit, yeah, I've got that, but what about the Nog? I think in the beginning we started doing craft fairs and markets and we had to have a business name because you just have to develop one. And we wanted to do something that was um, had an identity around our family. We didn't just want to be called chocolate makers or something like that. So we picked, you know, a name that we have which is Neary our surname is Neary uh, and then we thought we'd put a bit of a twist on it um, so I remember that when I was growing up my dad used to write uh, children's stories uh, little little stories he made up about a group we called the Neary Nogs um, they lived in like a Narnia kind of land and uh, he went on wee adventures and stuff like that so he used to illustrate these wee books but he never published them um, and the Nogs, part of Neary Nogs, comes from uh, Gaelic word Tirnanog, which is like the land of the eternally young or the youth. So really, the Neary Nogs word is about uh, family and children and uh, everything that comes with it, you know. So. And you've kind of created your own Neary Nog world as well, because tell everyone how many children you have. We have 12. 12. And uh, how old are you at the minute? I am at the minute, today? Uh, well, 40. <laughs> Wowie, 12 children mm. living in, I suppose, a chocolate utopia, but it sounds like you're you're living the best life, but what's it really like? Um, well, the reality behind any dream is hard work, I think, because um, we do have a lot to do every day, um, especially when you're doing chocolate. Um, I was explaining to Jessica there that when you're having a coffee, uh, usually from the berry or the bean to a coffee cup, it takes about 11 steps in the process, whereas with chocolate it's 26. So you've got a lot of labour involved in making chocolate, which people just don't see and they don't really know. So a part of what we do is we try to explain to our customers all the steps in the process and why it's important to shop ethically for chocolate and pay the extra price to uh, promote the sustainability of the industry because really the way it's going, uh, the farmers aren't getting paid and they're changing their jobs. So it'll be harder to grow and get cocoa 
So I'll have to point out there in case people don't know who Jessica is. If you come down to Granite Exchange and you come into this podcast studio or you use the facilities here, Jessica will look after you um, really, really well. Um, why chocolate? Um, chocolate was actually part of a fundraiser that we did uh, in 2011 for our oldest daughter who was going to India. She was doing uh, some work with kids out there. Uh, so on the night of the fundraiser, my wife and her mother um, remembered an old confectionery recipe that was in their family. Uh, so they decided to make some chocolate fudge on the night, uh, brought it to the fundraiser. They raised about £400. Um, so it was totally by accident because somebody that was at the fundraiser was getting married in about six months. And they said, would you do wedding favours? And somebody else said, here, we have, we have a craft fair. Would you like to do some of your chocolate fudge in that? So really it was, about, it was a hobby and it stayed a hobby for a little while. Uh, but I think it actually became a business because uh, one of our other daughters became ill when she was younger and so we I had to leave my job basically to help look after her so we had to do something independent and flexible to support that what were you doing before um well I have a degree in graphic design and web design and I think at the time I was working uh post recession I was working for the National Trust and also in a recycling plant so Goodness. yeah so the transition then to Chocolatier, I mean, it, it allowed you to have more time with your daughter, August, and be there while she was having quite complicated medical treatment. Definitely, because we could uh, we could control our own um, timetables basically that way because her treatment was so uh, unknown and we had to be flexible around that. Uh, she was getting blood transfusions every three weeks and she had to go to Great Ormond Street for treatments as well over in London. So we had to have a very interrupted uh, work life. Now, um, obviously, 12 children are, are now um, all part of, of the Nearies. Mm. Um, that's quite expensive. So you've, you've, you've moved from what you're trained in and, and the recession meant that also, you know, you had to change jobs too. How do you move from an idea, which is a family recipe for chocolate, into a really successful business. I mean, you've recently partnered with the iconic brand Fortnum & Mason, for goodness sake. Mm. How does that happen? Uh, it's, it's a long journey, to be honest. I think it's a lot of um, uh, combining your skills. As It's not just me that runs the business. Uh, it's my wife as well, and we both have our own skill sets. And um, we also have uh, our values that we try to incorporate in everything that we do. And we do work very hard. Um, we um, we try and keep a positive mindset because there's definitely challenges out there with growing a business or any kind of line of work. But really, when you're self-employed, if you lose faith in what you're doing or you lose the drive, then really your business will suffer. So it's a case of trying to support each other and finding a network of friends and family to keep you boosted and keep your morale up and keep things going. And also, we've been very fortunate uh, through several connections. We've managed to attract uh, some friends who are investing in some equipment and things like that so they believe in what we're doing they believe in our vision and I think you have to have a vision otherwise uh, it's very hard to see where you're going um, so describe your vision to me and describe the products for those of people who haven't sampled the Neary Nogs flavors tell us exactly what products you have so really what we make at the minute is we make a range of drinking chocolate or hot chocolate. Uh, so we have about nine flavours of that, ranging from, say, peppermint or orange to a house blend or a chai flavoured. And we would sell that in various coffee shops and restaurants in the UK and Ireland. Uh, we also do a range of chocolate bars. 
uh, at Easter we do Easter eggs. We do uh, caramel filled chocolate cups. Uh, also do almond nut butter filled cups. Mm, um, you're making me hungry. Yeah, and then we do like a cocoa tea, a cocoa brew, and we would do like chocolate fudges. Um, we've kept the original very first ever chocolate we've made at the fundraiser. We still keep make that one. The it's chocolate a, fudge. Yeah, it's a sea salted chocolate fudge now. Mm. And we've won a few awards for some of our flavours as well. And um, Shane, I'm very disappointed you didn't bring in things for me to sample today. Yeah, unfortunately, <laughs> it's it's all going out in the online shop at the minute. I can't even keeping our stock levels is quite a problem at the minute. I'm sure. Um, but yes, yeah, so we do have quite a, a large range because we are chocolate manufacturers. Then we can sell uh, chocolate products at basically every stage in the process, from cocoa nibs um, as like a health product. Uh, which is full of antioxidants and flavanols. Uh, it's got iron, magnesium and fibre. And chocolate has a natural antidepressant in it. So it has a stimulant that's independent of caffeine. So for people that want an alternative to coffee, they can have something chocolate related, mm. like a cocoa brew or a cocoa tea or something like that, you know. So, I knew it was good for me. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> and we've started working with a company in England to sell the the husk of the cocoa bean. So basically the cocoa bean is the seed of the, the chocolate plant. Uh, so your chocolate is basically part of a fruit. It's the seed of the people don't think of chocolate. No. As, people don't think of chocolate as a fruit, but actually, it's the chocolate is part of the fruit. It's the seed of the cocoa pod. Oh, okay, this is fascinating as well. Yeah. So there's real science behind this. I mean, when you talked of, about your different yeah. skill sets. Is mm. this is that your area of expertise, developing the product? Well, I think um, I did biology at A level and things like that. I didn't do a degree in it. My degree is graphic design and web design. So obviously I've incorporated that, incorporated that this year in our online shop. So I've been able to de develop our own website, which has been very important during lockdown. Um, but uh, Dorothy and I would both be sciencey. Uh, she would be very, very crafty minded in terms of hands on how to create things and uh, find ways to develop new products. I mean, she's just a natural talent at it and she comes up with amazing things and brilliant ideas. Um, and then tell me about the vision as well. Whenever you, where are you heading with Neary Nogs? I think with Neary Nogs, um, our brand is quite a high-end brand, uh, but we want to make it accessible to everybody locally. Um, because we pay a premium price for our chocolate to come in, we want to make sure the farmers get a fair wage. So we pay above market value for the cocoa beans. Um, so our chocolate is going to be more expensive, but that's because it's more ethical. And the ethical piece is really, really important to you as well. So where it do you source be, the, yeah. the, the cocoa beans? Where do you source the chocolate from? So we either do it directly or we do it through um, uh, an ethical wholesaler uh, in Europe. Um, because doing direct trade is expensive, you have to pay for the shipping and everything, say from Ecuador or South America. Uh, there is wholesalers that help. So there's um, ways of making uh, purchases of cocoa beans so that you're very transparent. You actually know the farmers. You can trace where it comes from. You can make sure that they get paid on time. Because uh, I think if they don't get paid on time, what happens is they start to deforest the rainforest to make way for cattle because there's more money in cattle if they don't get paid during chocolate. Mm -hmm. So it's it's nice to have an ethical choice of paying more money for chocolate, but actually it's essential for sustainability purposes as well. Um, and I think the industry is starting to go that way. You recently partnered, as I said, with iconic brand Fortnum and Mason to produce sailboat chocolate, namely organic and emission-free chocolate. How did that come about? I mean, what a great name to hook up with. 
Yes. Well, actually, we were uh, talking to Fortnum and Mason a couple of years ago. Um, we just, um, it wasn't the right time, I don't think, for us to click. Um, but a mutual friend of ours, a guy called Peter Hannan up in Moira, he does Hannan Meets. So he's been a friend of ours for a number of years. And uh, so I just basically knocked on his door one day and said, here, can you put me in touch with somebody at Fortnum's again? I think we need to reconnect. So earlier this year, we reconnected with them. And uh, we happened to be getting solar panels installed in our chocolate factory in June this year. So I mentioned it to Fortnum's and they said, hey, we've got a project. You know, there's a chocolate that's coming from Grenada in a solar powered chocolate factory over there. Oh. And so there's a, a big boat, a tall ship called Tres Hombres. And it was sailing across the Atlantic. So they said, would you guys like to join in on this? Because we don't have anyone in the UK that's a solar powered chocolate factory to process this stuff. So, Perfect. So we, so we had a lot of legwork to do. We talked to Jerry Brennan from uh, the Newry-based charity Silverly Light, who has connections in the sailing boat world. So he was able to help us uh, get a boat to connect with. And uh, we had arranged for rowboats to go out and meet this ship when it came into dock to offload the chocolate. Oh. And then we arranged a horse and cart to come pick it up to our chocolate factory. So A horse and cart? Yeah. So we tried to keep the no engine policy where possible. I think it was just in keeping with the theme of a mm. carbon neutral footprint. That's yeah. absolutely incredible. And I believe there's a great video I'll have to watch at some stage. Where can we see this? Yes, so it's online. It's on our Facebook page or our Instagram page. Um, it's a short video. It's about a minute long. Mm -hmm. uh, really, you could do an hour long documentary and the whole thing. But it was a uh, it was a nice little snapshot into what's possibly to come in the future. Absolutely. I think there's a great documentary in everything that you do. Um, what has this linking with Fortnum & Mason done for you for business, do you think? I think it's um, this year has been phenomenal for us. Um, people are looking to shop more local. They're looking to spend their money more wisely and more ethically, and they want to develop um, their local commerce more. So we've had a lot of uh, local people investing in our business in terms of sales. Uh, working with Fortnum's has attracted attention for us. Basically, if we're good enough for Fortnum's, we're good enough for lots of places. So Brian Thomas have been on the phone as well in Dublin. Brilliant. So that's good. Yes. Uh, so we're hoping to be working with them in January. Um, but no, they're a lovely team to work with, for Fortnum and Mason. They're very easy to talk to. Obviously, there's a high bar there. Uh, in terms of standards, uh, mm -hmm. which is fantastic. But, you know, uh, they're very easy to work with and very approachable. This podcast is sponsored by Granite Legal Services, a niche business and immigration law practice located in the heart of Newry City. Granite Legal Services provides legal advice to both individuals and companies alike across a wide range of industries, from employment, commercial or corporate law matters to immigration law. Granite Legal Services focuses on providing legally sound, practical advice to its clients. To get in touch, visit www.granitelegalservices.co.uk or email us at inquiries at granitelegalservices.co.uk today. It's definitely all about who you know and is networking hugely important when you're starting out in a business? Yes. Especially maybe, what's it like for an artisan food producer like yourselves? I, I guess I... I believe that it's impossible to be successful on your own. I think it's a myth that in this world you have to make it by yourself. I think it's impossible. I think you do need everybody to help where possible. And if you can get someone to help you do something, then 
do it. Don't be stubborn and try and do everything yourself because it's not going to work. You just need to get help where you can. What um, have been the biggest challenges getting started? Um, well, we were starting doing something that really was pioneering for us uh, and in the country. There was nobody else doing it. So really, there was part of that was a thrill. Uh, learning how to make chocolate from scratch was something that we were never taught. We just had to learn it. And part of that was fun, but also making a business out of that was hard. So sales was hard. Uh, but Why was it hard? I think because people didn't really understand what we were doing. Why is your chocolate different than anybody else's? Why is it more expensive? You know, people would see our cocoa beans at the Balmoral show and they would say, is that nuts? You uh -huh. know. Uh, so how did you change what you were doing to make sure? I mean, it sounds like there was a bit of a... Um, a lack of understanding for the market, maybe. I think um, so, yeah. Maybe the market didn't understand you, but was communication key and how you branded and how you sold the story? Yes, you're bang on. Communication is just huge because it just helps people understand exactly what your vision is, what you're trying to achieve. Do they want to buy into it? Uh, and also, trying the product is everything. You know, we can talk about chocolate, we can talk about this and that and the other and the ethics of it all, and it's fantastic. But to try chocolate that's made straight from the cocoa bean, it's a superior quality chocolate. It's not like uh, the chocolate that you would buy on the high street in mainstream brands or big industry because there's more care involved. Mm. The quality of the product is made low and slow. It's roasted at an appropriate temperature so it's not burnt. It's... Uh, been stone ground for say two or three days as opposed to eight hours so there's it's smoother it's not bitter which people are always shocked at they think sure dark chocolate's bitter yeah. but actually it, it's not if you actually process it right it's actually quite smooth so yeah i think that communication as you talk about about your vision is important but also people trying the quality of your product uh is a good advocate as well. Do you have to get qualifications to become like a chocolatier you know like a connoisseur of these fine things um, if there is, I haven't got them. <laughs> <laughs> Don't say that, but you, you, you're learning by experience and I trying. Th I think there is. There's definitely uh, courses you can do to um, perfect your skills mm -hmm. and you can glean off other experts and you can learn things that you just, you know, uh, from other people that have been down the road before. Um, you're absolutely passionate about your subject um, and it's about communicating that passion to others mm. and you, you're all about the taste and the experience now um, and you know the words I own a chocolate factory I mean what's not to like there I think the majority of people love chocolate um, how are you going to allow people to come and experience what it is you're doing okay so um, our workshop at the minute we're based in the Mourns uh, and we've been able to buy a space in 2018 which has enough room for people to come and visit us uh, we would love to open up for retail uh, post-COVID and uh, we're also developing our tour experience part of our business this year. That sounds gorgeous. So tell me about, it's like Willy Wonka's really, isn't it? Uh, so really we're going to be able to invite people into our workspace. Um, they're going to get a tour of our workshop. We'll talk them through the whole process of making chocolate, all the different elements that go into uh, crafting quality products. And uh, sampling, of course, you can't invite people to a chocolate factory without samples. So there'll be some tasting sessions uh, of the different percentages of chocolate, different origins, uh, talking about how chocolate is actually a fruit. And it's like wine or coffee, it has different flavours depending on where it's grown. Mm -hmm. And to actually exp 
go on that journey with somebody is quite interesting, you know, because usually people don't get that opportunity. So it's, it's I can't wait for this. And I just mm. can't wait till we can get to the point that we can experience things like this. And will people book online or how will it work? Yes. So we are in the middle of uh, revamping our website so that people can actually book a slot online to come in for a tour. Mm. Uh, so they will be able to have like an hour long or an hour and a half long uh, experience of chocolate uh, making and tasting. Online's been crucial for your business, hasn't it? Yes, it's become a utility, really. Um, we were fortunate that we redid our website in January 2020. And uh, so we were able to then be in a position to get online sales uh, during last year's lockdown and things like that. So um, it's become a huge platform for our business. Well, I live up on the north coast and it's um, sold in one of the delis down Port Stewart Prom. And it's... Uh, very, very popular. I can see people always picking it up and reading about it and uh, everything just looks so appealing and appetizing. I'd love to ask you what you would say are the best and then the worst aspects of being your own boss. I think the best aspects are that you have control over basically what direction your business is going to a degree. Um, you get to have the, the benefit of seeing something successful that you've helped make and that's its own reward in itself which is fantastic and also we get to choose then uh, to have family working with us or friends working with us or who we choose to work with and so you're never short with. of chocolate tasters really no no <laughs> no we don't have any problems with getting chocolate tasters uh, usually they're very more than willing to help you know um, so the downside then is there a downside the downside is probably down to your own uh, your own personal flaws then come to the forefront in your business. You know, things that you're not good at, you start to suffer from. Because, mm -hmm. um, like for me, for example, I'm a little bit of a workaholic sometimes, mm -hmm. which uh, I'm starting to realise. So switching off can be a problem. Yes. I uh, think that's the same for any entrepreneur. They say that, but it's, it's just, it's part of, it becomes part of the DNA. It does, because there's such a drive of a never-ending uh, mission that you never really have the closure of stopping. Mm -hmm. You kind of just have, oh, but look at this opportunity. I could do this now and it would be done. And it just never ends. So how do you deal with that? Um, I try to have people around me that are a bit uh, honest with me and uh, willing to tell me, you know, you need to stop or you need to do this or you need to do that. And... Um, it's not so much that I need to have or want to have somebody else coming in and bossing me around and telling me what to do, but I do need to be open to having conversations with people that are going to be fair, loving, kind, and also brutally honest. Is it tough, though, working with your family all the time, your wife and your children? I mean, because you can be a little more brutally honest with those than yes. you would be with the, somebody from an external. It's a little bit like hugging a cactus sometimes, <laughs> Um you know, because it's what you have to do to get on with things. Uh, there's nobody that's going to lay down more than a family yeah. whenever you need them. Mm -hmm. But also, they're going to make you suffer for it. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yep, I can relate to that. Do you still like chocolate? I do. Mm -hmm. I, 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 do I do still like it. Um, but also, I'm in a mindset of business. So I usually am more focused on deadlines and customer service and orders mm -hmm. and keeping the thing ticking over. Um, so it is important to have a break every now and again and appreciate what you're doing. Yeah, I don't know. I think um, working in a chocolate factory sounds like one of the best jobs in the world, but I'm sure if you're surrounded by it, that might be a way to 
break that bad habit a little. I know you've spent absolutely years now perfecting and developing each of these gorgeous products and um, you love all of them, but do you have a particular favourite? I think that, um, yes, we do have some bars that we've started to develop a range called the Irish Collection and um, they would incorporate local traditions into the bars. So, for example, we would have uh, a Dulaman bar. A Dulaman is the name of an occupation of someone in, say, the Carlingford Lock area who would harvest seaweed. Oh. So we have a chocolate bar. It's about a 70% chocolate from the Dominican Republic. And it would be lightly, lightly seasoned with some dried seaweed from the Carlingford Lock area. Goodness. So it would prov- provide like a salty uh, hint to the chocolate. And also we hand harvest gorse flowers from up on the Morn Mountains and then we would dry them out mm. and what they provide is like a coconut kind of flavour. Oh, I love the smell, of course. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you've got the coconut and the sea salt and then the chocolate. So that was called our Dulaman bar and that's been very successful. Right. That's part of our Irish collection because we want people from other countries to uh, experience something local. Um, what local. about the export market? How's it going? The export market is... I think the exciting thing about what we're doing is that there is a lot of potential. It's just managing that potential, I think. So, you know, the sky's the limit in terms of where you send your chocolate because, you know, it's Irish chocolate. It could go to America. It could go to Europe. It could go to anywhere. At the minute, we have a distributor in Spain. We do have contacts in America. But I think it's just we have to prepare ourselves as a business to be ready for that scale. Yeah. So Um, how many people do you have working for you at the minute? um, At the minute, we have about, I would say, five regular and then we would have in the background four or five other people who would come in say part-time um our oldest daughter would come in several days a week after she's put her kids to bed and then we would have uh, our oldest son who's a mechanic and he would come in and service all our machines so we have quite a few machines to help us in the process um and they all need serviced so it's handy that he's there to help I'm us do that i'm loving this i'm mm. loving this uh the whole story is amazing. The family involvement um, is so good for the kids as well. Too. And do you see them taking this on? Would they? Would this be a natural? I think it's. I think um, I'm always reminding myself that I'm very thankful that we've got the opportunity to reinvest directly into our family with a business like this. Of course, there's always hard moments about it where you kind of go, "Oh, flip the business again." But at the same time, whenever they talk to other people outside the family they've got nothing but pride about being involved because they see the business uh, growing and they're so happy to be connected with it and also that they own part of it in a sense I'm you know? sure they're extremely proud um, what are the next steps then for Neary Nogs? Um, I think for Neary Nogs we want to just uh, always continuously be better at what we do we want to it's easier when you grow a little bit because the process has become a little bit easier. There's a lot of labour involved in what we do. Um, So to scale is actually easier on the processes uh, and the quality can still be maintained. I do think that there is a huge opportunity in our area for tourism. Mm. And um, we are working with the tourist board to uh, create a visitor experience centre. Uh, which sounds very fancy, but really what it is is we want a place for people to come in, have a cup of coffee or hot chocolate, Mm -hmm. sit down, and where we live is an area of outstanding beauty. And really, there's not where we're positioned is in between Kilkeel and Ross Trevor, and there's a lot of cyclists there. Mm -hmm. And there's nowhere really for them to have a pit stop. 
along it's that perfect, road. Perfect, beautiful yeah. and lovely chocolate in the process. Yeah, so we're trying to create a place for people to cycle up, sit down in the mountains, have a cup of freshly made hot chocolate, coffee and just uh, enjoy where we live. I'd almost take up cycling. It sounds fantastic. Yeah. Um, I ask the same question at the end of every podcast. Um, so I'm going to ask it to you as well, because the purpose of this podcast is to inspire existing business owners and those ambitious entrepreneurs out there to grow their business by offering insight into the success of businesses like yours. What advice would you give then to people who may have the business idea but have no idea where to begin or they're unsure whether or not the risk is worth taking? Hmm. I think that having the business idea, if it's a good quality idea and it's something that you're proud of and you're sure it's going to work, um, and even if you're not sure if it's going to work, if you believe that what you're doing is good quality and you enjoy it, then that's half the battle. And then I think that the other half of that is just uh, not quitting. It's just taking breaks instead of quitting because it's very easy to quit when your business is so fragile in the beginning because that's the word for it. It's fragile. Every decision is make or break. So you really need to kind of just be patient and try and be uh, as wise as possible with your decisions. And... uh, yeah, look after yourself. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you take that on board now, won't you, Shane? It has been an absolute pleasure. Shane Neary, founder of Neary Nogs, um, our latest guest on the podcast. Thank you so much, Shane, and good luck, and I can't wait to visit. So that's it, folks. Uh, join me again for the next episode, and remember to subscribe for the latest updates to stay right up to date. This podcast was recorded in Granite Podcast Studio. Interested in starting up your own podcast but don't know how? Granite Podcast Studio can help. Record your podcast in our state-of-the-art studio, which is based in the heart of Newry City. Our studio has cutting-edge and user-friendly technology and can seat up to four people. We also provide an editing service for our team using your guidance and editing notes to provide you with a flawless finished product, leaving your listeners wanting more. For more information on how you can get started, visit www.granitepodcaststudio.com.